Whatever the issue is, figuring out a plan together, because doing that together or having these safe online dating talks or whatever it is, signals to kids that their parent is somebody they can come to in the future if they experience something online. Hey, brave one, welcome to another episode of the Women Aware and Prepared podcast. I'm your host, Mandy Pratt, a trained domestic violence victim advocate who teaches women and vulnerable populations how to be street smart. You'll hear some true crime stories, but most importantly, how we might prevent crimes happening to us. Return each week to learn safety tips and emotional self-defense so we live empowered with peace. Let's be less naive and leave helplessness and worry behind so we can be safer, savvy, aware, and prepared. Hello, hello, welcome back to the Women Aware and Prepared podcast. This week we are continuing with part two of our episode all about digital safety. We have Adam Dodge, our special guest, who is sharing with us that we don't have to be a tech expert to protect ourselves or others in the digital age. Last week, we talked about so much good stuff and the need for what he's teaching. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, please go back one episode and listen to the first one before you begin this one. Can you tell us more about what is the tech savvy parent? Yeah, so I work with I work with a lot of college age and and high school age victims and survivors of tech facilitated violence and what you start to see is gosh if somebody had given them some tools to navigate these online spaces when they were young a lot of this stuff is preventable and so i'm a big fan of prevention work and and viewing things as upstream problems and you know it's kind of that analogy it's like if you keep seeing people like flailing in a river and you're pulling them out to try to help them at some point you have to go upstream and say like what's going on can i is this an upstream problem that i can address and i don't have to just keep responding to these drowning people and so it's sort of the same thing here it's okay i can continue to help young victims of tech facilitated violence or we can go try to get in a time machine and go back to kids basically k through fifth grade and give them tools and and resources to navigate these online spaces because what's happening is you know kids start clamoring for phones in middle school and and they're getting online before that with very little guidance right or no guidance and those are really unsafe you know the internet wasn't built for kids and so what we want to do is empower parents to of kids that age before they get online before they start demanding phones before there's a pressure on them to get on TikTok and Snapchat and all these things and give them the tools and the resources to basically build digital instincts. You know, our fight, flight, or freeze instincts work really well when there's a physical threat, but doesn't work so well in, in a virtual or online world. And it's so hyper-connected. So things we focus on are, look, meeting new people online, right? Like very common, but we're not arming these kids with the tools to navigate those situations safely, right? Well, Parents are much more likely to make sure their kids won't go with a stranger at a, at, at a park or who pulls up in front of their house, but they're much more likely to meet an unsafe stranger 
while on a tablet sitting three feet away from their parent on a couch. And yet the parent's not saying anything or doing anything because ostensibly their kid appears to be safe because they're physically safe, but they're not digitally safe. And so we need to sort of bridge that. So talking about meeting new people online, um, navigating age-appropriate content. Again, it's like, you know, maybe if a kid 20, 30 years ago was at the supermarket and saw, you know, an adult magazine, they might go and try to pull that down. But there are guardrails to prevent them from accessing that. And they didn't have regular access to that. And now they've got unlimited access. So helping them make smart choices and, and recognize and not click on links and and navigate those situations. Uh, bullying, you know, Pew Research Center says you're more likely to get bullied as a teen today than not. And so how we can navigate people who engage in bullying behavior and how they can respond to it and navigate those things. Consent, empathy, boundaries, those things look very different online. So we need to change the way we teach those concepts when kids are young so that they'll have the tools to navigate them. I mean, consent gets around like right to the heart of like the non-consensual nude images and sending unsolicited nudes and cyber flashing. Like that is not consensual. And yet most people do it. So, you know, we need to change, but they're not going to go up and drop their pants to a bunch of girls at school because they've been taught, hey, you don't do that. Like that's unsafe. And there's cons- probably graver consequences to that. But online, I'm not going to get in trouble. You know, I don't see the impact. And so if we're going to be teaching consent, giving or getting permission, which is really important and, and people are doing more now, we have to make those lessons relatable to the online experiences kids will be having for the rest of their lives. And so, and catfishing and all that stuff. So uh, that's what I focus on there is not necessarily just abuse, but just, Hey, let's give kids digital instincts that they can rely on in these online spaces so they can recognize an unsafe person online, or if they're being catfished, how to, how to verify that person's identity quickly, right? We're trying to to empower teachers and parents and caregivers and grandparents to be more comfortable having those conversations when kids are younger. That's great. When you say catfished, can you just explain a little bit for the listeners who might not know what that means? Yeah, catfishing is essentially impersonation. It's become more frequent in the digital age. So people will connect with somebody online, but they'll be using a photo of somebody else. So it's like, I'm an adult man, but I pretend to be a 15-year-old girl to uh, connect with another 15-year-old boy online and and dupe him into getting into an online relationship with me. And then maybe I get him to reveal things about himself or send me intimate photos that I can then use you know, for personal consumption or to you know, extort him or harm him or something like that. So it's dating scams, romance scams, financial scams. And... It's it's a problem, you know. TikTok, I think, reported something along the order of magnitude of like a sixty percent jump in fake profiles being taken down from their app. So it's very easy to be somebody else online. That being said, um, you know, parents, I don't think should be too intimidated by this because we've been dealing with catfishing in the physical world for a long time. You know, if somebody approaches your kid at pickup after school and says, "Hey, your your mom told me to come pick you up. I'm a friend of hers from work." Very often we're telling kids, hey, if some stranger who says I sent them to get you comes to try to pick you up from school, do not go with them, right? That's that's catfishing, right? They're not using a different face, but they're pretending to be somebody else, right? It's just 
a lot easier to do in the digital age because I can pretend to be somebody else online very easily. No one's checking IDs when I'm creating social media accounts or dating app profiles or, or gaming or whatever it is. We live in a hyper-connected world. So I have a lot more opportunity, a lot more touch points to approach underage victims for an example. Uh, whereas in the physical world, you know, that's much more difficult. Right. Definitely. So is the tech savvy parent a course or is it like a membership or? It's a course. So it's an online course for parents, uh, the techsavvyparent.com. And it's, it's meant to be very digestible. It's myself and actually a psychologist. Her name's Adrian Nada. She's amazing. She specializes in adolescent interaction. She's a professor at, at Pepperdine. And so she and I teamed up to do this because she's great at teaching how to create space for our kids to come to us or how to have really age-appropriate conversations about really tough subjects. And so we really wanted to sort of balance the digital safety side, which I focus on, and, and you know the parenting, mental health, um, adolescent interaction side and sort of combine those. Wow. I'll make sure to um, put the link to that in the show notes. And then you are the founder of EndTab. What does that stand for? Stands for End Technology Enabled Abuse. I'm sure that some of us who are thinking about all of this, you know, you just start to think, man, should I just hide under the sand and try to not be online at all? Like, what should I do? Right. So what would you say to people who are listening to this thinking, man, maybe I should drop all of my Amazon Echo and all of that stuff? What would you say? I I would say I totally understand the feeling and it's very normal. I think it's a very normal and healthy way to react to some of this stuff. My trainings and presentations, I almost always get the feedback that they are informative, empowering, and horrifying. So I get why people would choose a, I'm just going to get off the internet or, or head in sand approach to this. But the reality is it... I, I'm more of a fan of empowering people with the tools to to navigate these spaces more safely because these technology companies and, and everything, they've just become these integral parts of our lives, but then they also violate their pri- our privacy. They make it easier for people to harm us. And that can be intimidating. And so I think we need to start taking some of that power back. I mean, parents are are busy and overwhelmed and intimidated and I don't like that. I don't think that as a status quo. I don't like a generation of parents feeling that way. And so that's why I'm constantly beating the drum on you don't have to be a tech expert to be a parent today. You don't have to be a tech expert to protect yourself today. It's about just understanding, getting some of the information and tools that we weren't given as, as kids, right? Like we are taught how to cross the street safely when we're young, right? And it works. Right, we hold hands. We look both ways, and as we get older, we're able to navigate. And so, I think what we need to do is, you know, to people who who say, "Gosh, I, you know, I'm just going to get my kid a phone," or "I'm never going to get my kid a phone," or "I'm just going to get off the internet," I'm just going to get off social media. That's fine if they want to do that. That's fine, but they should also know that there's more than one option, right? And you should be able to be online, have social media, use apps, whatever it is, and know how to to avoid harmful situations that are preventable, um, how to navigate harmful situations if you do run into them to where you can mitigate the damage or how to respond to those things quickly or how to be a bystander or upstander if you see it happening to somebody else. Like, right? I just feel 
Like technology has made our lives infinitely more convenient, but also put us at a deep disadvantage when it comes to our safety. And that's the bell I'm trying to unring is how do we how do we flip this status quo on its head and empower parents, empower judges, empower victim advocates and students and youth and everybody to avoid some of these things, to confidently know if you think someone's reading your emails, there's a way to tell if someone's reading your emails, right? Like if you think someone's in your social media, there's a way to tell if someone's logged into your social media and it has nothing to do with being a tech expert. Just go to check login activity. And you can see if there's another device logged in and you can even see what device it is. And if it's like, oh yeah, my ex has a iPhone 12 and they live in Los Angeles. Okay. That's not, you know, I'm not catching them red-handed, but that's pretty good data to have. And then you can kick them out and feel more confident that, okay, now I know no one's like, this is where we need to head. And I I hope to become obsolete where I, (laughs) where you're not needed. They're like, Hey, (laughs) we already know this stuff. Like, (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for telling us what we already know. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Yes. So as we finish up, would you like to add anything, maybe speak to parents? I know we have a lot of parents and teens who listen to this together. Uh, What advice might you give to them? Well, with parents and teens, you know, I, I hear from a lot of parents of teenagers and they are, you know, my kid is on TikTok all the time. You know, they're making bad decisions. You know, can you help me? And, and, and the answer is generally no. Like, I guess, like if I could figure out how to, to get between a kid and their TikTok account, I mean, that's putting your life in your hands, you know, and how, how to get, how to get them less addicted. Like that's not really what I do, but there are things that we can do when you're parent, a parent of teens to help them. One thing I think that is a subject that very likely the teen is not fully uh, aware of or, or confident with and something that they need to know is like online dating, app-based dating, right? Like this is something like should that should be taught in high school that isn't because you have all these soon-to-be 18-year-olds that are going to get on the dating apps if they're not already, right? And there are a lot of very foreseeable challenges that can easily be avoided if we just take the time to talk to teenagers about how to set up a profile safely, how to make sure someone doesn't learn where you live by, by looking you up online, how to how to verify somebody's identity, how to make, I mean, there are things that, because once you hang a shingle out on a dating profile on, on one of these apps, you know, you're exposing yourself to just an infinite number of randos that may or may not, you know, have your best interests in mind. And we don't want them, you know, if they get your name and your address, like they can go to Google Maps and virtually stand outside your house, right? They can do things that can make us very uncomfortable and feel unsafe. So I think parents and schools should be having online dating safety talks with students so that when they decide to get on there, at least they'll have the information and know, okay, yeah, I'm going to not check this box on the profile. Or I'm not going to give this information away, or I'm I'm going to make my social media private so that people can't just learn about my lives because they saw my dating profile. You know, little things like that. Um, sharing intimate images and and being prepared for that kind of pressure and and how to do that safely if they decide to share one. 
Right. And um, so sort of like a safe sexting conversation, you know? Right. Yeah. As a parent of a now 22 year old, you know, I remember as a teenager, you try to explain to them, don't go on Snapchat because X, Y, Z or whatever. And they're on Snapchat come to find out, you know? So you can't just assume that you're going to tell them something and they're going to do it. Um, So it's just educating them, helping them understand the why. And then like you say, helping them navigate everything safely because, you know, they're, they're going to be on their most likely and if they're on there and they don't know how to navigate it safely, um, then that creates a very dangerous situation. So um, I'm glad that you brought that up. If a parent is listening to this and their child has been victimized, what do they do about that? Obviously, depending on the circumstance, you're going to have different answers on what it is. But for the most part, how would you steer them in the direction of what to do next? Well, like you said, it it really depends on what they've experienced. But I think the real value is whatever the issue is, figuring out a plan together. um, Because doing that together or having these safe online dating talks or whatever it is, signals to kids that their parent is somebody they can come to in the future if they experience something online. Because what I hear from a lot of of youth is, yeah, I would never talk to my parent about that. They won't get it, right? But if you're having these conversations or willing to to figure out something side by side with them, then you're signaling that, hey, I'm a safe harbor for you, whether it's an online or offline thing. And you can come to me with this stuff, right? And I can help you. I can still be a resource to you. So whether, you know, from a, from a preventative standpoint, if you're having these conversations early on, I think it increases the likelihood they'll come to you if something disturbing or, or challenging or abusive or unhealthy happens to them in an online space. And if you're responding and you either have some answers, okay, an image of you has been shared, we're going to de-index it from Google search and we're going to get it taken down. And, you know, like that's what kids who are scared need to hear. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, and that creates uh, connection and creates space for them to come to us in the future or trust us with their digital safety if responding to something. So that's kind of more of a universal approach as opposed to like a specific one. But that's kind of what I'm trying to get at with the tech savvy parent is if you're having these conversations with kids very young, it'll be very natural for them to come to you if something goes sideways with their digital life later down the road. Exactly. And I remember the question I was going to ask you, they're going to wonder at what age should I start educating my child about this topic? Yeah. So as I said, you know, K through fifth grade is the tech savvy parent and people might think, oh, you're going to talk about porn or whatever. And I don't talk about porn. Like it's not about, it's about, it's all about taking the conversations we already have with kids and making it appropriate to the online experiences they're going to be have. So we talk to little kids about Hey, no, that's for grownups, right? Like, no, you can't watch this movie. It's for grownups, right? We don't, you can't look at that. No, you can't handle that knife. You can't, like, there are things that they are not developmentally ready for. And we're very comfortable as parents letting them know what those things are and holding firms on, on those on those guardrails and those boundaries. It gets a lot harder to do that when they get online. And so 
my point is, okay, well, just expand those conversations. You know, if you're having a conversation about it with your kid and says, hey, if somebody comes up to the park or after school and says, I sent them, do not go with them. And if you meet somebody, and, and that's true for online too. If you're online and somebody messages you that you don't know, don't respond, don't delete it and come tell me, right? And you're just giving them one, the ability to recognize a red flag, which we want in the physical world. Hey, stranger comes up to you after school, that's a red flag. Somebody contacts you, you don't know while you're on YouTube or gaming, kids gaming app or Roblox or whatever, that's a red flag. And now you've recognized it. Now I'm going to give you a plan to do something about it. If it's in the physical world, don't go with that person. Go tell your teacher. If it's online, don't respond to that person. Don't delete it because I'm going to want to see how this person got to you and come tell me. So it's the same conversation, you know, but if we're silent on the digital stuff, then one, they're not going to see us as the authority figure in their lives when it comes to their online lives. And two, like they're, they're going to learn from the internet and their friends. We don't want them learning that stuff. So. Say, same conversations we're already having about empathy, consent, safety, new people, bullying, whatever. Appropriate content. Again, technology just makes parenting harder. <laughs> if we start earlier, we'll have an easier time, not an easy time, but an easier time navigating the sort of challenges of digital adolescence. And so really, that's my goal with the tech savvy parent. And it's a hard sell because kids aren't generally online from K through fifth grade. So you have to really be open to to having these conversations or expanding the conversations you're already having with a, a first grader or a second grader. But that's the time to do it before they're asking for a phone so that when they get into those online spaces, they see red flags just on, in an online situation, just like they would in a physical world situation. That's so smart to make the analogy between the physical world and the digital world. Yeah, same um, thing. So they help them understand. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today and educating us. And I will drop in um, the links to both End Tab and the Tech Savvy Parent. So with the Tech Savvy Parent, we went over that and how you serve people that way. With End Tab, is that more of where you're speaking to different groups and educating the helpers? Yeah. So End Tab is a training organization. It's really a, a B2B or business to business. So we work with organizations to provide professional development training to their staff, or we get hired to do community presentations, usually in college campuses and things like that, where we talk to students or I talk to students. We don't offer like individual training or courses for, for individuals. It's more for companies and nonprofits right. and stuff like that. Right. And when people are victimized, you don't have a service where they actually come to you. You're teaching them through these different things what they should do. Yeah, I want people to be able to go to their local law enforcement or their local nonprofit, like Laura's House, for example, because usually tech-facilitated abuse is not happening in a vacuum. It's happening alongside other types of things. So if a domestic violence victim is experiencing, you know, they're an air tag stalking and, um, you know, financial abuse and have been locked out of their home, like, I don't want them to have to go to one place for financial abuse, one place for digital abuse, and one place for getting back into their house, right? I want them to be able to go to one organization and get support that way. So for me, it's about training the people that are already helping victims to be able to navigate their digital safety in the same way they navigate their physical safety. Definitely. Well, again, thank you for your time. And for sure. I will drop everything in the 
show notes. Um, do you have an Instagram that they can follow? Yes. Don't expect a ton on my Instagram right now, but I, I do have an Instagram. It's at Adam R. Dodge. I'm at Adam R. Dodge on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, X, formerly Twitter, at Adam R. Dodge across all platforms. Got it. So I will drop that in the show notes too. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Adam, for all the work you're doing. You're amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the work you're doing on this podcast. It's amazing to get the word out. Thank you. All right. Lessons learned from this episode were number one, prevention is key, providing young adults with tools to navigate online spaces from a young age can help prevent tech facilitated violence. Number two, parents should be equipped with the knowledge and resources to guide their children in building digital instincts and navigating online spaces safely. Number three, recognize the importance of age-appropriate content. We talked about teaching children how to navigate age-appropriate content online being crucial given the vast and easily accessible digital landscape. Number four, understand the digital world's unique challenges. Concepts like consent, empathy, and boundaries take on different forms in the online world and children should be educated accordingly. Number five, catfishing awareness, teaching children how to recognize and verify the identity of online contacts can help protect them from impersonation and catfishing. Lastly, encourage open communication. Parents can create a safe and open environment for children to discuss their online experiences and concerns. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. You can leave a review and let me know what you found most helpful. You can find me on Instagram at women aware and prepared. And if you want more from me, you can join my Tuesday tip emails at womenawareandprepared.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Remember, you are worthy of a safe and peaceful life.